You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, I'm Mella and you're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle. Today's guest is Ifatiah White from St. Helena Island, South Carolina. Ifatiah was a 76-year-old mother, grandmother, friend, and small business owner who continues to devote herself to her own mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being, as well as that of others. Her business, Nisa's Home, is the container for the services she offers through the Low Country School of Reiki and Choices Birthing and Wellness Support. Ifatayo is a Reiki master teacher and has been teaching Reiki since 1999. She has also been a birth, postpartum, and end-of-life doula since 2007. It's through these practices that Ifatayo supports children and adults to be well and to live their lives as the sovereign beings that they are created to be. I first met Ifatayo in 2019 when I attended one of her workshops at Palms to Palmettos here in town, and I have followed her work ever since, and I am just thrilled to have her. Welcome, Ifatayo. Thank you, Mella. I love being here. I've been to St. Helena Island, gorgeous place, so much great energy. It's very close to Beaufort, correct? Yeah, we're in Beaufort County. We're across the bridge. I went to visit the Penn Center, but for some reason it was closed that day and Fort Fremont was closed as well. But I did go to the Chapel of Ease and I peeked around. I don't know if it was a holiday. With COVID, I know Penn Center was closed. Their museum was not open. Fort Fremont was being restored. So it's open now. They're both open now. Wonderful. You're welcome to come back and visit me and I'll hang out with you whenever you can. Oh, that sounds great. So this is a Southern witchy podcast, but it is a Southern podcast. So I would love if you could even just give us a little snippet of information about your home, St. Helena Island, and even Penn Center, because a lot of the listeners come from all over the world and they don't know anything about it. Well, the home of my heart is St. Helena Island, South Carolina. I'm from D.C. originally, but I did move to Beaufort in 2000. At that time, I became a docent at Penn Center Museum because I am not Gullah, which is the name folks of African descent in this area refer to themselves as Gullah Geechee. That is not of my birth lineage, so I wanted to learn so much about the culture to which I had moved. So I became a docent at Penn Center. Penn Center is located on St. Helena Island. St. Helena Island is the largest island off of the coast of Beaufort, South Carolina. It is the island that has the largest population of Gullah people on the East Coast in one place. St. Helena Island, as well as many of the islands off of the coast of South Carolina and Georgia, was the home of the people who were brought from Africa enslaved to work on the plantations on the coast. So St. Helena Island is one of those places. Thusly, every neighborhood, every community on St. Helena Island has still a plantation name as you would in any other neighborhood that you live in. The designation for each one of these neighborhoods is the name of the place that had been the original plantation. So I live on Coffin Point, which had been Coffin Point Plantation. That's the name of my community. Before the end of the Civil War, when the Union troops occupied Beaufort, they emancipated the enslaved Africans here. Sometime after the emancipation, a couple of women from Philadelphia came down. They were Quaker women. The Quakers had a project at that time, opening schools in the South for the newly freed enslaved children to educate them. So Penn Center was a part of what was called the Port Royal Project. And it was the first school for previously enslaved children in South Carolina. So it has a long history and now it is no longer a school, but it holds the records, the history of Gullah people and St. Helena Island. 
It's a beautiful campus, hundreds of acres that had been bought by an enslaved African person and was given over to become a school. So there's a lot of history. There's a wonderful museum. There's administration buildings. There's also cottages that had once been the dormitories for the students. It was a boarding school. So you had to live there and they taught lots of trades. Midwifery was one of the biggest. And of course, because I'm a doula, I was really interested in the midwifery history. Carpentry, blacksmithing, cooking, all kinds of trades were taught. And many of the graduates went on to higher education, mostly to Fisk University in Nashville, some to Howard University, to other historical black colleges. So it's a wonderful place to visit. It also is renowned because Martin Luther King spent time there along with other civil rights workers because it was in the 60s, the only place in South Carolina where white and black civil rights workers could meet safely together. So Penn Center has that history. There is a cottage that was built for Martin Luther King because he visited so often, but he died before it was completed. Anybody can rent any one of these cottages to stay in. So that's it. Yeah, I'll have to come back. I'll come back and I'll visit you too. That would be awesome. <laughs> I would enjoy that a lot. There is so much that we could talk about and I would love to ask you about, but I did ask you to the podcast specifically because I wanted to get your views and just chat about rites of passage. And I think that rites of passage is just something that's so sorely needed and often overlooked in the modern world. In case some of our listeners just aren't even sure what we mean by rites of passage, would you explain what some typical rites of passage are in our society, what we mean by that term? That's an interesting way of asking the question, Miller, because in our society, <laughs> I, it would be hard pressed to find some typical rites of passage that are called rites of passage. We do have certain celebrations and ceremonies in our culture that I would refer to as rites of passage because I understand that beneath the obvious outer activity, there's things going on, there's activity going on under those within the individuals. So take, for example, um, the baptism of a baby or a marriage ceremony, even birthdays, particularly if certain celebrating certain decade birthdays or um, certain cycle birthdays. So those first days of school, going from preschool to kindergarten or particularly from kindergarten to first grade. So there are many that, you know, there are many of the celebrations and holidays also, you know, we have those in our culture, but they're not necessarily referred to as rites of passage. You and I understand that in many other cultures, built into the cultures are formalized rites of passage and that the individuals who are participating know that that's what they're in, <laughs> that they are being yeah. a part <laughs> of a passage. So we have in other cultures and and I will say in, uh, in America, in certain groups, there will be uh, offered rites of passage in certain groups. So and they, will, they would pretty much be similar to those that are in the cultures in other countries. We have, uh, say, female rites of passage, male rites of passage, for female fertility rights. How can I say it? There are many, actually, there are many. But at a birth, there are often birth rituals that happen after a baby's born. There's also rituals that happen while a mother's pregnant. So there are some individuals and groups in our society who celebrate and honor the, the knowing that are passing from one stage of life to another, a death ritual. I can go on and on. I love, I love <laughs> ritualizing passages, um, acknowledging out loud and in front of others, being witnessed and having witnesses to the different mm -hmm. stages of our lives. And to me, it's important. I feel that I, I, I think we're in agreement about that. Definitely, it gives 
a person or a group of people who are a part of a rites of passage a much clearer understanding of who they are and where they are on their mm. life journey it just takes away a lot of the guesswork <laughs> for, yeah. you know i've participated particularly in an adolescent girl rite of passages i've been invited to be a participant and to me that's one of the should be incorporated throughout america <laughs> and i agree <laughs> go for girls and boys that time in life is so crucial it can make such a big difference and if you participate in certain rites that could happen you know over a day or two a weekend to a whole year depending on mm -hmm. then you know who you are and you have also been instilled with certain skills knowledge and skills um of how to handle life and the challenges that life offer um so that's that's an example and, and as i said i've participated and one of my offerings, uh, I remember specifically in DC, three years in a row, I participated with a girl's rite of passage. And my offering was to teach each one of the girls Reiki so that they would have the skill, their own knowing of themselves mm -hmm. and carrying healing energy, however they chose to use yeah. it. But it was very powerful. I mean- Oh, that's beautiful. And, and that was just one of the skills they learned. They learned a lot, of, mm -hmm. but it's simple to me that we would not call upon the elders or healers or mothers or teachers in yeah. the community to share skills and wisdom with the youth. And so why do you think that we have gotten so lost from having rites of passage like this in modern culture? Where did it go? why okay so think about industrialization think about the need and the focus on how to produce uh, more and the need to move people as quickly as possible into that workforce mm. including children at one point and the focus became very much on which was also the trend in the education system of how do we prepare people to be workers. Mm -hmm. That was the focus. To me, I believe that that shifted a lot because all of us have ancestors who came here from wherever in Europe, Africa, Asia, and there were grandmothers <laughs> and grandfathers and mothers who brought tradition with them whereas children would sit with them at their feet or in the kitchen or everywhere and they learned they learned it might have been not formalized at that time but right. you would never think of that not happening and then of course we have mm -hmm. the native culture native american culture mm -hmm. that where rite of passage where you know all of the passages we know uh, we've read about or know about in the native american culture still to this day exists, maybe not as prolifically as had been, but it was unheard of, unthinkable that you would not go live with some women or go stay with some women part of your time to learn part of your mm -hmm. growing up, or you go stay with some men and with the warriors, with the hunters to learn. So yeah. when we became focused on, it became a money culture and a, mm -hmm. it was all, to me, I believe this, all about the economic and the focus yeah. on training people to be productive workers. And so, you know, there was no time, there was no time put aside, there was no energy, you know, everybody was tired and everybody was trying to work and so all of these, these traditions got lost and have been reinstituted by certain groups. I, I have participated in, in many ceremonies of all cultures, of the pagan culture, of the Native American culture, African culture, Celtic culture. I, I love it. I love ceremony. I love ritual. The meaning, it's meaningful to me. Those ceremonies and rituals feed and nurture our spirits and our souls so uh, you know i find i go finding them wherever i can <laughs> and uh you know 
uh, at my home, we celebrate the change of seasons four times a year, at least in a for, very formal way with activities and and um, so forth. In addition to other other ceremonies that we have at at my place. So there are pockets, as you know, you know your pockets. <laughs> there are pockets, <laughs> and I am actually in in conversation with um, a couple of friends of mine here in this community. One is an elder, and one is a thirty year old mom of two children, and we're very interested in in creating a rites of passage program for girls mm. and boys because my friend is the mother of two boys but so yeah it we we feel the importance of it and we feel the importance of putting our time into such a program to prepare the youth who we can touch mm-hmm. for their future i read somewhere that not having the rites of passage creates some self-initiation going yes. on with people getting into adulthood and not actually being prepared to it. That could lead to a lot of dangerous activity and so even substance abuse. Absolutely. You believe that too? I do believe that. Melly, our souls remember, <laughs> our spirits remember. Mm-hmm. This is a, a part of our, our human consciousness to be supported throughout the stages of life is built into us now if if it doesn't happen then we're going to we're going to act out the calling so Mm. we will go seeking so therefore i remember myself okay so for me (laughs) one of the one of the ways that i fulfilled what you're just saying in my family my family were big cigarette smokers and i grew up i was born in the 40s so um in the 50s, everybody was smoking, including my mother and grandmother and grandfather. So I grew up in that culture. And so I remember mm-hmm. my mother saying to me, you have permission to smoke when you're 16. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, and for me, so that's sort of a rite of passage. I did not wait. I was 15 and I started smoking because that's how I am. But so I took it upon myself <laughs> to uh to passage myself so there was to me inside of me there was a, a, some confusion that i i couldn't of course at that time name the confusion i felt like i was supposed to be grown up in in some ways and then in other ways i was not given permission to be grown up or even understood mm-hmm. what to do except i knew the grown-up smoked and they drank and they did this and they did that. So I sought my own way of being grown up instead of having mm-hmm. some organized way that I could have been prepared by a group of women of what to expect and how to conduct myself and how to process energy. I, You know, none of that was happening. Yeah. yeah, that is so important. And also I have a quote that I found from positivementalhealth.eu and it talks about another reason that we want to have rites of passage. And it says, if rites of passage help a young person to navigate safely from childhood into adulthood, find purpose, meaning in life, become more self-confident and become an active and responsible member of his or her community and society, they ultimately support positive mental health. Absolutely. So I thought that was really interesting That's too. That's very interesting. I love that quote. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you read that as a part of my biography, but I, I worked 10 years in pediatric mental health. Uh, so what mm-hmm. you just read uh, touched me. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and, and interestingly enough, you know, I had never thought of this until just this moment, Mela. I was always... Um, forming little groups with the children, particularly <laughs> the teenagers. I worked with all the different ages, but I worked probably the longest with the teenage population and particularly girls. And I was always creating these groups that where we talked a lot and we shared experiences and, I, you know, where I felt as though I could teach some 
living skills, life skills. And I mm-hmm. never, until you just said that, I really never, I, that's just what I did. And it was inside of me to do that, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I love. So it turns out that rites of passage is actually a resilience technique. It actually <laughs> is. It t- totally. And I mean, think about, you know, you'll hear every now and then, uh, people say, who was your favorite teacher in school? Who was your favorite teacher in mm-hmm. school? And when you really investigate that question and the response, what we're really wanting to know is what teacher influenced you the most or who yeah. gave you the confidence to be more of who you were? You know, those kind, that, yeah. those those questions are underlying that question. So if you, if we were to have uh, groups, rites of passage groups and called by any other kind of name where we, we as an adult sat with a group of children once or over a number of times, then we would in fact be engaging in rite of passage. You know, mm-hmm. what uh, the mm-hmm. education system, when you look at it, going from grade to grade, is supposed to be a rite of passage. When you right. when you pass and pass, okay, you pass from one grade to another. And the expectation is, is that you pass with a certain set of knowledge, skills and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, that is, again, maybe that took the place of rite of passage also in, in, in the culture, you know, this formalized education yeah. piece and with the expectation, I mean, that's the same as what we would have in traditional rite of passage. The expectation right. is that when you complete this rite of passage appropriate for you now, you will leave this, pass through this time with with more skill and wisdom than you had mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it? I want to share with you, there is a, oh, a program that is called the Circle of Courage. So look it up at some time. And it was created by a Navajo psychiatrist. And uh, he worked with troubled youth in, I don't know what state out west, I can't remember. But I've used this circle of courage many, many, many times in many, many, many situations because what he he did, he he also would facilitate right of formal rite of passage, but he also in working informally or formally informally with youth in um, counseling situations or group counseling situations, he could see, he visualized and made um, on paper a will and we know medicine will those of us who know me and he divided this will w-h-e-e-l which he called the circle of courage into four segments Melda, and he was able to determine where a youth was in their development as wow. they move through these four segments and i've used this in groups for my own knowledge of individuals mm. so the first segment is called belonging so a mm. person enters into and he used it in family settings all kinds of settings so the first segment is belonging and that's the place we begin from if we do not feel we belong we will not progress we will not grow So everyone stays there inside, you know, that's where in consciousness or physically everyone stays until they're ready for the next. So once it's ascertained that this person really feels as though they belong, the second segment is about skill building. So you learn skills, you learn the skills or the expectations even of your group. So now you you belong, you know, I love being here. I like being here. I want to be here. So then I'm open to learning what is it that will make me successful in this group. So I learn how to behave the way that this group wants me to, or I'll learn what skills I need in this group to belong and to be to belong even more so. And so then you learn skills, you begin to learn the skills and the third. Uh, segment is 
you master the skills. So you no longer need to have a teacher um, with you or, or a counselor or a, a mentor. You know the skills, you know how to do it. You do it yourself and you are masterful enough in, in what you've learned. And the fourth segment is the mastery segment. It also has another name that escapes me right now, but the idea is that you will leave the group and you will form your own group or you will become a master in that group because you have wow. moved, but you could never do that if you didn't feel as though you belonged. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So this is really a rites of passage that for me, it's a very tangible <laughs> way yeah. for informal guide because I consider myself a facilitator of of life and of passage and uh, and mm -hmm. I'm a teacher and so for mm -hmm. me if I have this map inside of or this circle of courage inside of myself I can really say ah oh, that's where that person is ah that's where yeah and yeah so I'm very grateful for that tool that reminds me of something in an, The Anatomy of the Spirit by yes, Carolyn Mace. Yes, yes. And it reminds me of that because it starts with the first chakra, which yes. is the belonging, yes. being in a yes. group, being in a family. And she goes through and talks about just that same thing of starting with, with belonging and then going to individual, yes. individualization. Yes. And that that's what you do in a rite of passage too and that's what you were just saying with that that's isn't really it cool. don't you love the fact that um truth is truth across all yeah. the cultures and yeah. i love that i love when we find the truth however it is explained mm -hmm. in words yeah right and i love her book i love that particular book i've read it many times i've used it in my mm -hmm. work many times because it does help it, to yeah. for some people to understand those words as far as the rites of passages that we have that are pretty much accepted in in our culture she uses things like communion yes. and baptism and those as yes well. i was yeah. raised catholic so i you know that was actually where my love of ritual began i just you know, I wasn't big on the doctrine as a child. I didn't, it was scary to me, but the ritual part, <laughs> I love the sacraments. I love getting dressed up for confirmation and first communion. And, you know, yeah. I love the rosary reciting over and over again. Yeah, and yeah I did. And then I yeah. had to leave the Catholic church for, you know, for the obvious reasons, but I still kept the love of incense yeah. of... <laughs> You know, the instance. <laughs> so, yeah. As a minister, rites of passage is, that's definitely one of the areas that I've been trying to expand people's yes. thoughts yeah. about. Um, I really love Mother Blessing, oh, which you did yes, mention that earlier. Yes. And if anyone is not sure about that, that's when women come together to bless a mother before childbirth. Yep. And I also love first moon oh, ceremonies. Yes. I have offered that for years now, and I still have not had anybody take me up on that. But that's where you celebrate a girl's first Oh, I period. love it. Well, you know, I'm going to connect you with my friend Moot Raha, who lives in Brooklyn, New York. Moot, um, her her offering to life, well, she's, she has many, but her main offering are pink tents, red tents, and purple tents. So... They, okay. each one of these tents are for women in specific age groups. And with her mm. fir, with her pink tent, she also has ritual for the first moon. Okay. She, she's, a, she's awesome. And, and um, there might be something y'all can collaborate or think about at least. On my website, I've, I also list a croning and saging, which croning usually comes at retirement. Yeah. I'll be 50 and I definitely feel like there's a lot of change that's been happening in my mind, body, yeah. and spirit. So how do you feel about those kind of um, rites of passage celebrating the various stages of wise Oh my age? gosh. You know how I feel about <laughs> it. <laughs> I, have, I love it. And I love, uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak a little more broadly, but the fact that you're turning 50 is ex especially significant to me I believe that 
women in their 50s and 60s are the most powerful women on the planet. Because crossing into the 50s, to me, passing into the 50s is so powerful. I know the Native, in Native American tradition, a person is not an adult until they're 52. And I can understand that it might take two years, the two years of transition from the 40s into, but the, all of the experiences and learning that one goes through in their 20s, well, all through life up to the <laughs> 50s, there's so much knowledge and wisdom and experience and you still have your physical strength. You know, I'm a crone for real 76 and I'm healthy as I don't know what. I mean, you know, I, I have no medicine. I drive everywhere. I go do what I want. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah. I tell you, I'm very aware that my body is not the same as it was when I was 50 or 60. I mean, I'm <laughs> on the other side. I'm be 80 in four years. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And I did have a big celebration of my 70th birthday. Hundreds of people here. And I had mm. a Baba Lao from the Yoruba tradition who came to ritualize my birthday at the ocean um everybody met at the ocean mm. at early morning it was so many people out here at hunting island <laughs> and um wow and it was important for me i felt to ritualize and to celebrate moving into my seventh decade and um, i thought about it for my 75th and then i it just didn't resonate with me that way it was much more of an internal private um, a celebration, mm. but I am, it, it, it's not my particular calling to facilitate formal rites of passage as it is yours. I have my own teacher Reiki for me at each attunement and particularly Reiki three is an initiation. Mm. That's my way of being with oh, yeah. So those are my ways of formal, but I do celebrate and I really encourage the formalized mm. celebration and holding of rite of passage as we age particularly mm -hmm. all the stages but but particularly and the honoring of folks with wisdom is so not held in this culture to the extent that it should be you know mm -hmm. um, the wisdom that one garners just from living oh my god you know right. having had so many experiences mm -hmm. that it's it's amazing but so yes and i mm -hmm. would you know you and i can talk at another time about how that how those offerings are going for you i'd love to hear how those offerings um, to the public are going for you and um I, and how if there's some support i can give you in any way Okay. How do we create rites of passage on our own? Can we do that? Can we just come up with something? You know, you mean for ourselves individually? Yeah, mm -hmm. I believe we can. I do believe we can. I feel that if we ask spirit, mother, father, God, whatever the name we have for, for that, which is greater than ourselves to guide us, we will be guided. So if we feel a strong, compelling to go sleep outside in the nude in a tent overnight two days or you know go to the ocean and just write whatever we feel to do strongly write it down and let other thoughts come you know some people say i felt like you know i should fast i should do water fast i should do this i should do that to me that's how we are creating our own rite of passage we're following the guidance mm. of our spirit of our soul of our guidance to what we need mm -hmm. what we need to move to the next place that's mm. what i feel and i feel that we can all do that there's nobody who cannot do that if they want to I also, though, am a big believer in the, some passages we should not do alone. That there's there mm. some transitions that we might go through as individuals that we should not do alone. Some of them are so intense, so life-changing, consciousness-changing, soul-healing, that they could be dangerous in a way. There are, there are certain rites of passage that that there where there is danger built in 
and there there mm-hmm. are some where the the capacity to lose one's mind to lose one's body to lose one's soul can happen if there if if mm-hmm. if that passage is not witnessed and supported or fa- and so facilitated by someone else who has experience mm-hmm. yeah good yeah. point so both of those i i mean all of those ways are available to us self self initiation is definitely available and also mm-hmm. with the caveat that some need not be self they should not be self initiation right. how are you about psychedelic medicine as a part of initiation i think that a lot of people have used that i've had someone i've, I've talked to that used ayahuasca yeah. and that enabled them to have a wonderful rite of passage that's what and that's the point i'm going to make that certain uh, medicines plant medicines uh, have been given to us for that purpose to support our passage healing/passage and um mm-hmm. I, i'm very much a believer that they should be honored as energy beings and that we should be that someone should be with us in those passages absolutely so yeah that that would be yeah, an ex- a, an incident where i would say please have someone with you who knows what's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. yeah yeah I don't know if you've ever heard about this but there was a lady in the UK and she decided to create a rite of passage for her son when he turned 13. And so she had 13 challenges and each one of them covered a different aspect of life. One of them was he had to get on the train on his own, get off at the 13th stop, go into a cafe, order the 13th item on the menu and they had to go buy an outfit using $13. So I love I that. Thought that was really that very cool? cool. What about you or me or someone writing a book or a blog or an article with suggestions that the everyday person could facilitate? Cuz that was a genius. Mm-hmm. That was so simple. And And yeah. so ingenious. Lord have mercy. I, w- yeah. I personally would not have thought of it. I just, you know, me yeah. either. But it made me think about even my own child who is now a senior yeah. in college. When they were first going to college, they did not even know how to sign their name in cursive. Right. Yep. That was not taught yes. in school. And so I had to teach them how yes. to do that and that made me think you know what there are certain skills like you were talking about yes. skills that are not being taught yes. in school that someone needs to kind of teach and that could even be part of you know the 13 challenges absolutely <laughs> something just that simple <laughs> it seems so simple i know doesn't it though <laughs> that it that seems so simple but because of how we educate now that that is a skill that it is truly necessary but it's not being taught right. you know so right so many, so many things. things my own grandchildren live in Maryland and they are now they just turned both of them in a month two months ago turned 16 and 14 mm. but because they go to a private school in DC which is an hour from their home. My granddaughter went first because it was a middle school and my grandson was still in elementary, but she learned to ride the metro at 11 from her home in Maryland to DC. And it was very scary mm. for her at first. Um she got she was afraid of getting lost and she did. <laughs> Cuz she had the transfer trains. Yeah. You know, oh. and and the the rite of passage. One of the p- parts of this rite of passage is that she got her first cell phone at 11 because she was going to be so independent. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, and the so the same rite of passage happened with my grandson. He got his first phone at 11. He he began riding the metro. Well, with his sister though, because she was already riding and. Um, mm-hmm going through his fear of whatever the people on the metro the this and the that so and my daughter also had them she tutored them in cursive because they were not learning cursive so a lot of her way with parenting is sort of she she's very in tune to cycles and passages you know so she her children are being raised sort of you know intuitively that way yeah 
Yeah, that's yeah. great. When I was 22, and this was back in 94, so before cell phones or anything like that, my rite of passage was that I moved overseas for a little oh. while and I went to JFK and got on the plane. I had to go all my little right. changes until I got to Cyprus yes. where I lived with people I'd never yes. met before for four or five yes. months. And that was a huge rite huge. of passage. And I came back, I came back a totally different I, person. Absolutely. That's the hero's journey right there that you took which mm -hmm. is a big rite of passage. Yeah. And I, oh, yeah. you know, I still mentor and coach people around their hero's journey. When you respond to a call like that, Mila, and you do that by yourself, it's extraordinarily, it, 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 it has taken you so many more uh, steps ahead of so many more people um, because the passage that you created and that you, um, honored when my mm. children were well okay so when I was how old was I 45 I had raised my kids up and one they were both in college I kept getting these in meditation I kept hearing you're gonna move and I never had lived the way they were living on campus but they were living on campus in Washington DC and our family home was in Maryland so they weren't that far mm. and I kept hearing you're gonna move and I was like, what, where would I, I've never been without parents, husband or children. And I couldn't understand what this message was. And I, it kept coming, it kept coming. So finally I asked in meditation, well, where am I moving to? And what I heard was New Mexico. And I was like, what the hell? I've never been to New Mexico. I don't know anyone in New Mexico. I, 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 I don't know anything about New Mexico and it would not leave me. You're moving to New Mexico. You're moving to New Mexico. Oh my God. So finally I surrendered to, okay, well, I guess that's what I'm doing. And I gave myself a year. I sold our family home. I downscaled to a, a rented home. I saved money. I made a plan. I picked a date. And I still had not visited New Mexico. I knew no one there. <laughs> I had no job there or anything. And so, of course, you know, my parents are like, well, why are you moving to New Mexico? And I was like, um, I think maybe I'm going to massage school. I made up stuff, you know. And, so, <laughs> and uh, my, my car broke down months before I was going to leave. And I said, oh, I'm not buying, not months, but a, a couple of months. I'm not buying a new car with the money I've saved. I will take a train. And that's what I did. I took a train from DC. I put all my stuff in storage or sold or gave away. I, and I put, yeah, my books and things I wanted, I, I put in storage and I moved to New Mexico on a train, not knowing how long I would be there. I don't know if that was how you went when you went to Cyprus, but I, I didn't know what spirit had in mind for me. I was like, okay, I'm yeah. being obedient. And I took a train. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if I was going to Santa Fe, Albuquerque. I didn't know anything about New Mexico. <laughs> and a man on the train next to me said, well, where are you moving? I said, to New, Me in New Mexico. I said, well, I don't know for real. The train stopped. There's only one. It's in Albuquerque. He said, well, if you don't have a car, let me advise you you need to move to Albuquerque because Santa Fe does not have public transportation. I said, that's mm. where I'm moving to, Albuquerque, public transportation. <laughs> and I stayed two years, had a wonderful time, wonderful, and realized subsequently, I mean, I was I was called back, Spirit said, okay, now go back east, you belong east. And I was like, what? And I went back. <laughs> but what I've learned subsequently, Miller, for me, is that I was so close to my daughters and my family. My whole family's in DC and Maryland. My life calling was not to be attached to them, that I had mm. to be with all y'all, to be with everybody. And so the two years mm. going to Albuquerque, a faith walk, a hero's journey, really prepared mm. me to be here, to leave, to not be in DC, to not be in Maryland, to not be around my kids. You know, and now, yeah. I mean, I saw that eventually. I had no clue why initially. Yeah. But it was a big wow. rite of passage for me. Huge, huge. It was even more mm -hmm. huge than marrying their dad and moving to Boston. It, because I was with someone, I was with him. But this one was, there was nobody for me to rely on. Um, I had a, a natural fit the first night I was there. I 
I, I just, I went, I panicked that I had no clue. Why was I here? Mm-hmm. What was I going to do? I was, I was crying mm-hmm. in a hotel. I was just like, I don't know what to do. And by the next day, <laughs> belly of the beast, the belly <laughs> of the beast. But I, I, I believed. I really, I really trusted spirit. I, re- I knew that there was a purpose. And I, I, and that the purpose would be revealed to me and that I would be all right. That was the first, that I would be all right. Did you feel that way once you got to Cyprus, that you would be all right? Once I got there, yes, I was terrified on the way. In the Vienna airport, I could not find the bathroom. I tried to call my mom on the phone. And my the the money went away before she could tell me where the bathroom was. I didn't know I didn't know that WC meant water closet. So I'm just <laughs> I was I so terrified. It. But it was amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Tell me more about your business, Nisa's Home. What what all do you offer for our listeners if they want to get in touch well, with you? Well, Nisa's Home is an umbrella uh, name because I have so many <laughs> streams of work. <laughs> Me that, too. Don't Me you? Too. I know. <laughs> so I had to, it's not that I had to come up. It came up. It, it, it came, it grew itself up that the container for all of this work is Nisa's home, which is where I live. My home is Nisa's mm-hmm. home. Nisa means, Nisa means grandmother moon. And it's the name that my mm-hmm. grandchildren have called me from the time they were born. My grand, my daughter had asked me, what did I want the grandchildren to call me? And I had always loved that name um, from the Seneca tradition, Nisa Moon. And so I said, I want to be Nisa. I want to be called Nisa. So, so my home is Nisa's home. It is an Airbnb home. I'm listed on Airbnb. Um, I have a couple of bedrooms and it is so in and of itself. And it's a community home. So we have sweat lodge in my home. We have a sweat lodge out back. And as I said, we come together for, uh, to honor the change of seasons. We walk uh, medicine wheel. We honor the directions and, and ceremony. Um, other folks come, they offer their own ceremonies or classes or workshops from my home. I don't, I, I might not be the, I'm not the facilitator. They are, but it, they are offering from Nisa's home. And then I do my, I teach Reiki nonstop. I mean, every week I'm teaching. So I teach from my wow. home. Uh, this, this has been, I was the first Reiki master in Beaufort in 2000. So, wow. you know, Reiki has, well, that's a whole nother conversation. But I teach Reiki from my home. Um, people come from out of town. I get a lot of out of towners now who come and stay for their Reiki attunements. And um, I have local folks still also who come for Reiki attunement. And I offer Reiki sessions, of course, from my home. And I was a massage therapist. Um, I don't practice massage anymore. So all my healing work, workshops, classes, all of that is a part of Nisa's home. And then, of course, my birthing work. Uh, so that all of that work comes under the Low Country School of Reiki. Then I have choices, okay. birthing and wellness support, which is housed in Nisa's home. And even though I am no longer an active doula, I do not attend births. As a, when I turned 75, I really retired from um, attending births, but I mentor doulas. I still am very active mm-hmm. in the birth world. I, I have um, been invited to speak on different uh, conferences actually and webinars Mm. on um, birth and also because of my mental health background on um, wellness and 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 caring for children and mental health of infants and children so all of this (laughs) is a part this is what Nisa's home in addition to a home for my family and friends to come Mm -hmm. together to enjoy life and to celebrate yeah Nisa's home sounds like it's the culmination of all that wisdom and teaching and lessons you've learned through your You life. have such a way with words and thoughts. <laughs> that is exactly how, <laughs> that's exactly how, for me, why it came that was so pertinent. 
because I, I needed mm. a container for all of the wisdom. And I'm an experiential mm. learner. So I, I learned so much. I've had so many experiences and that's how I learn. Um, and then I'm a researcher. I love researching information. So I put it all together. Mm. And yeah, so that's yeah. where that's what Nisa's home is. Yeah. And it's a, it's a hard place. It's a place of love, great love. People feel that vibration when they come there and the big oak trees, it's an acre and a half, beautiful oaks and, and my flowers and so forth. And the ocean nearby too. Yeah. Well, that's nearby. I'm not on the ocean and I'm really grateful. Actually, I have the oaks. I'm on the trees with the trees, but we have in my community a, a 10 minute walk away is a beach okay. and then the wonderful hunting island which is where i go every morning it's huge state park and it's the huge o ocean hundreds of acres of maritime forest and uh, trees and ocean so that's my mm. one of the main reasons that i moved here and continue to be here beautiful and i'll put all your links in the show notes for anyone who wants to follow you look at your website I also saw that you are on Insight Timer, yes. so I can put that yeah. on there. Some wonderful meditations. Yeah. So any final words of wisdom for us? You know, <laughs> so, so funny. <laughs> I don't know how wise this sounds. The first thing that came to my mind was, you do you, boo. Do you, boo. <laughs> that, I, 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 mean, like I wouldn't have said that in a formal way, but the key <laughs> to a joyous life is to find out who you are and to do you, mm. do you, offer you, be you, enjoy you, you know, have compassion for you. That to me is the key, the secret to life. And mm. you don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to do what anybody else does or anything. We, we need you. Mm. And I love, I just love that. I love that. I loved Thank your question. You. I love how it came out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs to hear that exactly yeah, how you I know. said it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it has just been an absolute blessing to have you here at the Tayo. Thank you. Oh my you. God, have we had fun. I enjoy it so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Good. Yeah. And as always, I'd love to hear what our listeners think about this episode's topics. Tell me about your feelings about rites of passage. Have you ever created your own rite of passage or maybe attended a rite of passage? If you go to our podcast website, you can comment on this very episode with your thoughts and questions. You can even click that little microphone and send me a voice message, and I might just use it on a future podcast. Take care, and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash bellbookcandle.